I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most probably listening through a pair of headphones, which means I have the perfect sponsor with the perfect product for you. It's Studio, and they want to revolutionize the way people see headphones. Generally, fashionable headphones tend to lack the proper sound quality and the high-tech ones are bulky and not design-orientated. Studio bridge that gap while emphasizing sleek, modern Scandinavian design. To get a 15% discount on any of their wares, go to studiosweden.com, which is spelled S-U-D-I-O Sweden.com, and simply put in the code DTD when purchasing a pair of headphones. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. In Uncertain World, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. Today we speak to Thomas Daly about the National Park Service and its struggle with the Trump administration. Simple Things is a seminal studio album by the electronica outfit Zero Seven. The single, This World, was released in 2001 and features vocals by Mazes.
the National Park Service cares for special places saved by the American people so that all may experience America's great heritage. Thomas, why is it that such an august institution is at war with the Trump administration? Well, that's a good question, Royfield, because obviously it's a very popular thing with the people. And, uh, you know, President Trump claims to be you know, all about the people. But, you know, from the numbers that I've seen in 2016, uh, national parks enjoyed over 330 million recreational visitors and uh, had over 500,000 people attend programs that they threw and uh, had over 660,000 children take part in its junior ranger programs. Mm -hmm. I sort of can't explain why when the Trump administration came in, you know, they decided to uh, essentially be openly hostile towards the national parks and its mission. You know, it, it hasn't nominated a, a director of the parks yet, so there's still just an acting director as a placeholder. Um, and the Secretary of the Interior, Ryan Zinke, who, if he isn't a climate change denier, he's a climate change skeptic, he has not shown any backbone or willingness to stand up for the parks that fall under the preview of the department he heads. Um, last year, President Trump announced that he plans to cut the Park Service's budget 2018 by almost 13 percent, uh, which will result in 90 uh, percent of the parks reducing their staffing, uh, leading to a reduction in service to visitors. Uh, you know, at the same time, the administration is pushing steep increases uh, in entrance fees at 17 of its most popular parks. And that raises obvious concerns for lower income peoples who probably already have a difficult time visiting the parks. Um, most alarmingly and most recently, uh, you know, the administration's announced that it's it's cut the, uh, the Bears Ears National Monument by 85 uh, percent, essentially just to allow uranium mining, it looks like, on formerly public lands. And the Grand Staircase by almost 50%. Isn't that maybe getting to the heart of the issue that actually um, the Trump administration sees the national parks as a resource, as a resource which can help industry? It sat on a whole load of resources. And actually, you people that want to go and look at great, wonderful views are kind of getting in the way of industry, getting in the way of the great American industrial project. And that's the reason why you have somebody like Ryan Zink actually running the organization. And then, to add insult to industry, you believe in this namby-pamby Chinese conspiracy, i.e. climate change. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I would answer that in, in a couple of ways. First is, is I come from New Jersey, uh, a land of half-abandoned strip malls and urban blight. So the idea that development mm. is a good thing is, is false. In addition to that, New Jersey is also replete with numerous EPA Superfund sites. So I don't feel the need to be lectured, uh, not by you, but by you know, pro-industry people about you know, the benefits of industrialization because you know I played Little League Baseball on a field that had black tar rising from the stands of the infield at times. So I don't think industry itself is, is a good thing just in of itself. And before you move on, I would add one thing that directly speaks to what you're asking. 
The parks are an economic win already. Park visitors are a significant component of U.S. tourism. Uh, they stay in nearby hotels, rent cars, eat at local restaurants, and generate more than $30 billion in spending a year that supports over a quarter million jobs. Thomas, why don't you tell us exactly what the national parks are for people who are sat in Britain, India, China, or just wherever on, on planet Earth? What exactly does the National Park Service uh, do? What's its remit? in 2018. Well, when it was established just over 100 years ago, it was dedicated to conserving the scenery, uh, the historic objects and wildlife therein, and to leave them unimpaired for the enjoyment of future generations. And that's something that it takes very serious and still continues to do to the best of its ability. Very obviously, what we've got from you at the start of this uh, show is your passion, your belief in the, the mission statement of the National Park Service. Why do you feel so strongly about the organization? Largely from my personal experiences. My interactions with the national parks have really been incredible and almost transcendent things. You know, for the last several years, my wife and I have, have used the national parks as the backbone of our family vacations. And, you know, our daughter has, has profited immensely from their junior ranger programs. Um, you know, we've been able to look down from the top of the Rocky Mountains to stand where Lewis and Clark wintered on the West Coast before they returned to the eastern states. Um, you know, we've seen Mount St. Helens from just a few hundred yards away. We've looked at petrified stumps of giant sequoia trees in Colorado where they haven't grown in thousands of years. It's amazing stuff. But the National Park Service isn't just about um, looking at nature, is it? It's also about preserving, let's say, civil war sites or areas of great kind of na uh, national importance as well as natural beauty. Absolutely. Um, tell, us about, tell us about some of those kind of historic sites and tell us about the types of people maybe that you actually see and actually go and visit the National Park Service in the US. Yeah, so, uh, so one of the places that springs to mind... Um, is Scott's Bluffs, where we saw, uh, in Nebraska, I believe, where we saw wagon ruts, you know, indents made into the, the you know, the, the rock of the earth where the pioneers on the Oregon Trail tra passed over the Continental Divide. That's amazing to me. Fort Laramie, where there was a, a, a numerous treaties signed between the Native Americans and was a major stop for those same pioneers along the westward migrations. These are incredible things. There, there was a, 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 you know, a Native American person in an authentic teepee working on making animal skin garments and talked to my daughter and showed her how they did it. It was an incredible experience. I think that's a very touching scene that you describe. Here is uh, somebody from a people describing his culture and the fact that the land actually belongs to not only to him, his ancestors, but also to you and your daughter. So with that in mind, Thomas, why can't you tell us about the piece of music that you've chosen for us today on Friday 15? I picked uh, This Land is Your Land, uh, originally written by Woody Guthrie, but uh, I, since again, I'm from New Jersey... Uh, have chosen the Bruce Springsteen rendition. Well, I rode that ribbon highway I saw above me the endless skyway I saw below me the golden valley 
So that song always reminds me of the film Tob Roberts, which has the great Tim Robbins playing the part of this uh, folk singer who is right wing and becomes somewhat of a devious politician. But it's a very left wing song, isn't it? Uh, it is. And what it is, it's really a, a beautiful description of you know the physical beauty of the United States. But at the same time, it also expresses the scorn for those who want to chop it up and exploit it and want to treat it as a personal rather than a national inheritance. And that's what really, to me, connects it back to the idea of the national parks being an inheritance for all Americans. I think that, for me, is one of the reasons why um, many people see the National Park Service as having an issue to do with, let's say, inclusion and diversity. Infamously, very few of the people that go and visit the National Park Service are people of colour. Why do you think that is? Is it quite simply they don't necessarily see the National Park Service and the, the works that it does as being something that reflects necessarily their history and their view of America? 
Personally, I, I mean, I can't speak. Uh, I am a, a white middle class American, so you know, as you would say, I'm pretty much what the national parks exist for. But um, to me, oh, so I it's think it's not me saying that. Just Thomas, all the surveys going back from the 1960s kind of say that. And it, here is one: so studies and surveys. So this is from from 2009. Um, I meant that as the then. imperial you, but you know. okay, all right, okay, sorry. <laughs> But <laughs> overwhelmingly, only something like 13% of the visitors of the National Park Service are people of colour. So this this kind of emotional sense of owning and sense of having feeling that it's your shared communal property doesn't go for all Americans, does it? Uh, it may not, and obviously I can't speak to their experiences, uh, you know, of an African American or uh, you know a new immigrant. Um, but it could be, and I think part of the the disparity you see in attendance of the parks probably has more to do with access to them mm-hmm. and needing things like a car to get there, or be able to book hotel rooms and be able to eat at restaurants regularly. And I think part of what the problem is with the new fee increases at the really popular ones. Uh, is that it puts even further out of reach. Let's try and accentuate the positive because the National Park Service is is a wonderful thing. And as you rightly say, it's there to be enjoyed by all Americans. Thomas, which are the most popular national parks? I think you're probably looking at the Grand Canyon, Yosemite Park, Yellowstone Park, and, and Zion National Park are the ones that are considered some of the most popular and also are the ones looking at the, the biggest fee increases if the uh, the proposals go through. This might sound like a ridiculously silly thing to say, but sell the Grand Canyon to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will sell the Grand Canyon to you in the same way I would sell the broader parks to you. Mm-hmm. And what it and they represent is really a trust, you know, and a compact between the generations. You know, it links not only us to our past in terms of the United States, but also to our pre-Columbian past. And beyond even that, in its vastness and wonder, it really offers us a chance to step outside of human time, to lose yourself for a moment and gain that wider perspective of your place in the world and to realize you're just a very small piece of an infinitely greater whole. And I haven't seen the Grand Canyon yet. It's on my bucket list. We want to visit them all. But the experiences I've had and what I imagine looking at the Grand Canyon would be is just out of this world. And I don't know if words would be able to do it justice. All you had to say to me was Thelma and Louise. Uh, That got me there. (laughs) Driving your car into the canyon is... (laughs) Oh, maybe off. It's a modern part of America's entertainment history, isn't it? That scene is somewhat iconic. But I, I, I throw that in to be somewhat whimsical and inject a certain amount of laughs into this because no, there haven't I, been an, an awful lot. Go. No, I would take that and that even connects to the, the idea of Thelma and Louise. You know, great. It's part of the, the wildness of the West and being able to, to escape to it. And that's what it's always been for America. And the idea that you know, okay, let's just make strip mines then out of it is is terrible. Like, we want to all be able to run to the West and escape and be free, right? Very true. It's only kind of what I've done. 
So, do you think that the current board, well, now the X board, maybe slightly overplayed their hand with the um, with the Trump administration and politicised the Park Service a little bit too much? You know, there have been tweeting about climate change and all manner of things, which uh, the current administration in Washington don't necessarily completely get behind. And don't you think that that's kind of somewhat made the Park Service somewhat divisive? Um. I don't know. I mean, I don't. You're obviously referring to the fact that nine of the twelve members of the, uh, the National Park Advisory Board just resigned, you know, citing the the unwillingness of the Trump administration to even engage with them in talks. They haven't been able to meet with the head of their department yet. Been a year. When you have such callous indifference facing you, uh, such ridiculous obstinance in the face of reality and things like climate change what are you supposed to do you either serve or you make your inability to serve known and act upon it if you don't have principles then you might be able to continue but i think any principled person needs to be able to draw a line and say enough is enough thomas daly thank you for coming on to friday 15 and expressing your passion your awe and your wonder for the great institution that is the national park service of america roy field it's always a pleasure to talk to you usually we laugh more but <laughs> this is serious hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I like digging holes and hiding things inside them. When I grow old, I hope I won't forget to find them. Because I've got memories and travel like gypsies in the night.
then I've got no Multinational singer-songwriter Alice Merton co-wrote No Root with producer Nicola Ribshire. It's a clever blend of pop and with elements of dance. It was released in 2017 and was a minor hit throughout Europe. Shines on Everybody Falls in Love Sometimes. It's a dancehall hit from Tanto Metro and Devante. Released in 2003, it refashions a famous line from the Spice Girls' Wannabe. Follow the show's progress on Facebook by simply typing in Friday 15. You can also find us on Twitter 
where you can follow me where I'm at Royfield spells R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D now every Thursday you can jump onto Twitter and tweet me and nominate a song for me to put into this week's Friday 15 iTunes reviews folks are extremely important they're the lifeblood of any podcast please go onto iTunes and write us a, a glowing review and don't forget finally you can email me where I'm Royfield spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D at gmail.com. See you all again in seven days' time for more good music and great conversation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.